Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. What is going on with HB2 and the bathroom rules wow. in North Carolina? I mean, these people can't even find North Carolina on the map. And all of a sudden, <laughs> people, you know, in Germany, people in France, they, they know North Carolina and they can find it on the map because we're the bathroom state now. Katrina, Ferguson, Oak Creek. In America, a local tragedy can spark a national conversation. But what happens after the national news cycle moves on? I'm Ziba Blay, and this is I'm Still Here, a HuffPost podcast. I'm part of the Ferguson front line. Those looking for liberation are still here, still fighting. This is not an epidemic, but it's an epidemic of epidemics. It's the greatest public health threat in my lifetime. When HB2 gets passed, you're even more fucked. When you're in a place like that, there is no silver lining in day-to-day life, period. On this podcast, we'll visit communities whose tales of adversity have put them on the map, and we'll explore what survival in America really looks like. Because when the controversies of our time become politicized, we tend to forget about the people affected by them every day. For our first episode, HuffPost reporter James Michael Nichols traveled to North Carolina, a state where transgender rights have been under attack. Later, you'll hear the story of Emma Smith, a six-year-old trans girl whose family spent the last year fighting for their daughter to be treated like a human. So, James Michael, I think most people remember HB2. It practically dominated the headlines in early 2016. Right. So HB2 was a bill that forced transgender people to use bathrooms and locker rooms that matched the gender assigned on their birth certificates. All of a sudden, literally everyone had an opinion about whether trans people were dangerous to cis women and children in restrooms. I love how people use protecting women as an excuse to keep trans people out of bathrooms. I know. It's like that classic puritanical argument. And the whole thing was so dangerous and misguided. To portray trans people as rapists and murderers who like to prey on people in bathrooms, when in fact trans people are statistically more likely to be victims of violence— So while the government tried to parlay this myth into policy, trans people in the area were just trying to live their damn lives. Right. And it turned out to be a huge and costly nightmare for North Carolina. Musicians like Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas began protesting the state, and eventually the NCAA threatened to take their championship events elsewhere. Now, this is something that would have devastated North Carolina since sports are a cornerstone of the state's culture. Okay, so remind me, what happened next? 
Well, a Democrat named Roy Cooper ran for governor, promising to repeal HB2. He won and helped push through a different bill called HB142. But the thing is, it wasn't actually a repeal of HB2. Experts I spoke with for this podcast said HB142 was essentially the same discrimination with a different name. And now cities in North Carolina are also barred from passing non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people until 2020. Okay, so what we're basically talking about here is the right for trans people to exist in public space. Exactly. And while I was in Asheville, I met so many incredible people whose lives have been shaped by this clusterfuck of legislation. One of them was Bryn Estelle. I caught up with Bryn at the Firestorm bookstore and cafe in West Asheville. It's kind of radical queer bookstore and coffee shop space where activists often meet to organize. We talked for an hour about policy and legislation, but she really put into perspective what it was like to actually live through a time where your very existence is being politicized. I was uh, doing canvassing work with businesses towards the end of last year. You know, uh, we had this online registry we were putting together, you know, and, and so uh, businesses could say, hey, our place is cool for you to go to. You know, and almost every business we visited, of course, said, yeah, of course, we don't want to turn people away. This is a really hateful businesses <laughs> that'll say no, right? And there was one coffee shop that I stopped at, and the owners were, were there, and they were emphatic, just so stoked about it. A gender-neutral bathroom just right by the door. It's the first thing you see when you come in. We love, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, so that was a pleasant experience, right? And on my way out, three cis women uh, who came in looking for a bathroom, and when they saw it was gender-neutral, one of them exclaimed very loudly, I never use those. You don't know what's going to be in there. Wow. Right? Um, and so... I guess it felt like Tuesday. I haven't been read as trans um, outside of professional work for a minute now, and that's super great. But I still hear that hatefulness, you know, all the time. People are stoked to talk about it. It's an okay opinion to have. And I think coming off of a year of being publicly vilified uh, at the state and national levels, it takes a mental toll on you, you know. Um, but it's especially difficult that anybody who uh, disapproves of your identity, who you are, whatever, is now hyper-emboldened to express and act on that bigotry. So that brings me to Emma Smith, a transgender six-year-old girl who lives in a small community outside of Asheville, North Carolina. I traveled to her home in Arden, where I sat down with her parents, Amy and Kevin, and her brother Miller to talk about Emma's fight to use the bathroom at school. Uh, she was always had, I guess, girl tendencies. She's always petite. She's always sweet, like a little girl. She's uh, before we ever realized it, she was always wanting pink and girls toys, dolls. You know, we uh, like I said, like Amy said, we didn't really know what was going on with it. We just, you know, thought, you know, pink, blue. What makes a difference? We don't care. Yeah, or but, that it may be even a phase. Yeah. Like, I think for a while we thought it was a phase. We were like, huh, this is just something that he at the time was, mm -hmm. you know, we're he's just going through a little thing right here, and we're going to let him be creative, you know, just express himself if that's how he wants to do. And I say he because, you know, that's how we felt at that time. Yeah. We yeah. were confused. She's never yeah. been confused. Right. Well, was there a kind of like a defining moment for the two of you where you realized, huh, this is, this is what's going on. This is what's going to be happening. 
it was gradual. I mean, it wasn't all of a sudden. I mean, it's just, you know, we kept letting her, you know, express the way she wanted to express herself. And it just kept going more and more towards girls until one day she actually told Amy that uh, she wasn't a boy, that she was a girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how she felt. That's that's what we went with. And then she decided she wanted a girl name. And, you know, we just you let her do what she wants to do and how she wants to feel. And I think a lot of that came when she was calling me he. Like, I thought yeah. she was, we thought she was confused for there's a few months there where we're like, she's just really confused. We need to explain it to her, you know, mm-hmm. the difference in gender. And it was, it was, you know, he, right. mom, like you're a boy, mom, why don't I call you dad? Like, you know, like aren't dads, aren't dad, you know? And I said, well, you're confused. I said, let's explain this. I said, you know, you're like boys pronouns are he and him girls are she and her. And then she like kept saying, you know, you're, you're he, and I'm like, why are you saying that? And then one day she said, well, well, if I'm a boy, you're a boy. And then I started going, oh, my gosh, light bulb. Even like when Emma was young, before she was Emma, Amy would dress her in, you know, Superman T-shirt and blue jeans. Yeah. And we walked through the store, and people would look at, her, look at him and say, well, that's a cute little girl. Mm-hmm. And we're dressing her as a boy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like her soul was just shining people through. Could, people could read it in that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Wow. When they see her, when we go out, people, oh, she's so cute. I'll talk to her. She's sweet and all that. Yeah. They but yet, after out. you do a, <laughs> after you do stuff on, you know, like, like we did with the, the other day with the um, school board, and it gets on like Facebook, you got all these people saying all these mean and hateful things about her. Right. They don't know her. She's, she's but if they met her in public, girl. they wouldn't know the difference, and they're just as yeah. nice as can be with her. Yeah, so let's talk about the school, because I know the school has been a, a massive battleground for Emma and all of you for a long time now. Oh, my goodness. She went to school. She was already wearing dresses, like, on the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she went clearly as a girl. Mm-hmm. She was just still being called Colton because we wanted to make sure she was going to be happy with her name. Right. And so we, yeah, we set up a meeting with the principal to tell her, you know, we have a, a child that is, you know, gender nonconforming, I guess you would say. And then that's where it all started going downhill mm-hmm. from there. The first time that we, <laughs> we told her... She said, this is exactly what she said. I said, I said, well, he, you know, he, because at the time we we're right in the middle of the transition. Yeah. He wears dresses. He's identifying as a girl right now. We're confused. Mm-hmm. This is new to us. We're learning. But right now, you know, he, he is a girl. Mm-hmm. He, and then we started kind of going on that. And we said, well, you know, we're not sure about pronouns because she was questioning right. about that, you know. Yes. And I said, well, we're unsure ourselves. This is a learning thing for us, too. We just want her to be happy. We want him to be happy, whoever, you know, Colton decides to be. Mm-hmm. And the principal said exactly, who buys his clothes? I reached out to the school and gave them a chance to respond to the Smith's allegations on this podcast. They declined to comment, noting that federal law prevents them from publicly discussing specifics of any student matter, but they shared the following statement. The Buncombe County School System works to ensure that all students, employees, and visitors feel safe, welcomed, and respected in all of our facilities. Our teachers, administrators, and parents work diligently to address sensitive student issues that are brought to our attention on a case-by-case basis, including issues that are related to transgender students. Individual needs and privacy concerns vary from student to student, and we work to accommodate those needs so our students can focus on learning. 
So, we won't mention any educators by name in this episode. Anyway, here's what Amy and Kevin say happened to their daughter over the last year and a half. And the principal said exactly, who buys his clothes? And I said, well, of course we do. We're, we're, we're Colton's parents and right. we we're going to buy his clothes. We buy all of our kids' clothes. Yeah. Don't you know that you can tell your child to buy, to wear wow. this kind of clothes? Like you could wear boy clothes and just going on and on about. Yeah. Essentially calling you bad parents, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. I was floored. Yeah. I said, well, you know, my son likes um, SpongeBob, I said, yeah. and sharks. And mm-hmm. so you're going to see him in a lot of SpongeBob and sharks. <laughs> Uh, my daughter likes Hello Kitty and My Little Pony. Right. You know, my son at the time likes My Little Pony and Hello Kitty, and that's what he's going to wear. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was just, it was kind of baffling that we were being questioned over that. That was the first sign of, oh, no, we just hit a brick wall, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. <laughs> mm. Hope okay. this doesn't go south. When we got home, we discussed it because we were really baffled by it, and then we were like, You know, most people, like, if this is the first transgender person that they've had in this school, we have to give them, we have to give them a little time to catch up. Amy and Kevin wanted to give the principal the benefit of the doubt, hoping she would do some research, learn more about trans people and the needs of trans kids, and then be supportive of their daughter. But they say that didn't happen, and instead their daughter came home in tears. Several times we're coming home crying over over the teacher telling her about her being a boy, and they'd actually punish her for telling them that she was a girl. They have clips. They move down. You get it moved further down the, the, every time you're bad. She would tell her, you know, I'm a girl, and the teacher said, no, you're a boy, and then she want to argue that she was, so they move her clip down. Wow. She would come so, home saying if if she I moved my clip down, and it damages kids when they're like, yeah. when their clips move down to them, that's big. That's right. like a sticker. Mm-hmm. She would come home devastated that her clip was moved down, and we would say, well, why, why did your clip get moved down? Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. I said that I was a girl. Wow. That's what happened? Like, that's what got your clip moved down? Yes. And then if I say I'm a girl again, then she's going to move my clip down. Amy told me about the moment their family finally decided Emma would be their daughter's permanent name. But they said Emma's teacher wouldn't call her by her chosen name, and it was causing major problems. Because it was still in her class that that we said, she said, I want to be called Emma. Right let's tell the teachers to stop calling me this, you know, because I need to go ahead and decide a name now. Mm -hmm. And so she said, Emma, I like that name. Let's go with Emma. We said, you need to call her Emma. Mm -hmm. But that teacher didn't want to call her Emma. And so that's when that, you know, just so many feelings. I mean. It was causing other kids to to tease her and bully her where we didn't have a problem with that before. But in that classroom, being the teacher was saying it, the teacher was confusing the kids. Yeah. So the kids were asking her, what are you? Are you a boy? Are you a girl? Why is the teacher saying you're a boy? You look like a girl. You know, and that's, that causes a lot of problems in there. At this point, Amy and Kevin thought it couldn't get worse. She came home and she had a bag of clothes that were just, you know, soaking wet. You send them with a, a spare change of clothes. And um, it was wet. And I said, well, you know, what happened? And and she said, I had, I, I had to go. I had to go pee on myself. I said, why? Because she's been potty trained forever. So that was pretty shocking. And I said, what happened? Because that's so out of character. And she said, I, I either had to go in the boys' bathroom. And that day she was wearing a skirt, mm-hmm. like a little skirt with yeah. shorts under it. And, a, you know. Someone who does not belong in the boys' bathroom. Uh, right. No. Yeah. I mean, that would lead for, for massive amounts of humiliation. I mean, they would 
really make fun of her. Mm-hmm. And and she said I had to choose. I had to either go to the bathroom on myself or go in the boys' bathroom. And so she chose to urinate on herself. Like literally, where you have to be in your mind to be forced to urinate on yourself or go in the boys' bathroom. Like what kind of choice is that for a child? Just... I mean, it was just like, it was, this is not happening. It was just that this is not happening thing the whole year, pretty much. You know, at least the first part of the year, it was just bewildered that that was going on and that our child was being so mistreated by people that you, you know, and there's nothing we could do. I mean, I, I, you know, I thought so many times I'm going to take her out and homeschool her. I need to homeschool her and you know, and then I kept hearing, well, you know, she's not going to learn how to defend herself. But mm. how can a child defend themselves from an adult? And, you know, the, the principal keeps putting it off to be an accident, which we got into it about that. But, you know, ever since she's been probably two, two and a half, she's always been potty trained. And she, we have never had her pee on herself ever with us and mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kept going off. It's an accident. And then it was, well... The gym teacher wasn't, wasn't informed. Wasn't we, informed. We didn't tell right. him. So it's, it's our fault for not telling him. The last straw with Emma's first teacher was on a day the school called All About Me Day, where the teacher and all the students drew pictures of a selected student. Amy and Kevin pulled out a stack of drawings to show me from Emma's All About Me Day. And she had these little pastel shorts that were like little zigzag pastel, pink and blue and like purple. And she comes home and she's bawling and I said what's wrong today was your all about me day let's let's talk about it what's going on and she got this out she didn't say a word she got this out of her backpack and she went and got her little glue stick and she glued it to the wall this was after we told them to call her Emma Mm -hmm. she glued it to the wall right here and she marked out she got a pink highlighter and she had me write Emma because at Mm -hmm. the time she was having a hard time with her her she crossed out Colton, yeah. And she had, and she took the highlighter and she drew pink cheeks and she drew a pink backpack and she drew pink nails. And at that day, she had on white, like little glittery sketcher shoes. Mm -hmm. They drew black. Mm -hmm. Her shorts were pastel. They drew green, yellow, red, and blue. Her shirt was pink with a glitter heart. They just drew red. And her hair was long, and they drew short hair. So they erased any aspect of her identity in the drawing. Yeah. Wow. I was infuriated by the teachers, but I was proud of her for doing that because she was saying, I'm not putting up with this. Right. That's not who I am. Even though she did it like through her tears and she was really upset, she still mustered up the strength to do that and say, you know, this is who I am. to teach our child not to yeah. tell them who they are. Right. You know, you're there to educate. Right. And that's all there is. I mean, I don't know why she was trying to tell her who she was, but, you know, that was a big thing with that teacher. So we finally um, asked them to move the teachers to right. a different teacher. They did. Kids, like, with the teachers, you know, and how they, they, I feel like they bullied her. Like, that was just straight up bullying. And they teach children not to bully other children. Mm-hmm. But while they were teaching them different by the way they treated her. Mm-hmm. That's confusing to kids because when they're seeing the teachers bullying, like they, that's, you know, yeah. 
that's what they're 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 learning that it's okay to bully transgender children. Yes. Like you can't bully anybody else, but transgender children you can. Were you raising your hand, Miller? Uh yes. What's up? Um should I uh try to make them stop bullying uh transgender people or something? Um when I go to the school tr- just try to do something about it. I think if you see anything like that happening, you should speak up as much as you feel comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Be an ally. I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's called being an ally. And it's super cool, and it helps out people like your sister, you know? Okay. If they'll let you. Hang on. Can we talk about that for a second? That was Emma's brother, Miller. He interrupted our conversation and really reminded me that kids are not born hating. We learn to hate. Maybe Miller should run the school. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, more of Emma's story from Amy and Kevin. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get back to the show, have you found I'm Still Here on Apple Podcasts? If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating and review, or tell a friend. Or you can send us an email, stillhere at huffpost.com. Okay, now back to the show. And it, it seemed to be getting better, but and then the second one, I mean, that was, that was really it like, for us, period. I mean, it was... I mean, they took her to the cafeteria to eat, and she went in there and she sits down to eat. And when she, she says, when she sat down, she told the teacher, "I've got to go to the bathroom." Mm-hmm. Well, lunch is thirty minutes. Yeah, thirty okay. minutes long. And she says, "You're going to have to hold it." Mm-hmm. So she sat there and didn't even eat because she had to go to the bathroom so bad. Mm-hmm. She just sat there, and finally peed on herself. Wow! A second time. A second time. And a walker from the cafeteria, which is in the front of the school to her room which is in the very back of the school i mean you got to pass every grade in that school to get to there in her urine mm-hmm. so, so close to get to the bathroom that she could use wow. but we that's what they said yeah we didn't know really what happened we thought you know she kept the teacher said that she had an accident they're very vague about and here we go you know the accident thing we're like this not really didn't sound like her but that's all they would say oh emma had an accident today we changed her clothes and that was all i had to say mm-hmm. so Amy went up there, what, a week later, the next week, yeah. to eat lunch with her. And uh, she sits down to eat lunch, and she starts uh, to eat, and Emma says, I need to go to the bathroom. Amy says, well, fine, let's go. There's a, there's a restroom in the cafeteria, the which is she can use. 20 feet from her, single stall. It's a single stall. That's the only one she was allowed to use. So it's, Amy gets her and takes her over there, and they're locked. The doors are locked. The doors Both are of the doors are locked. And she asked her, you know, why are they locked? I don't know. Were they locked when she peed on herself? Yeah, and that's why they could have walked out of the cafeteria doors and walked 10 feet 
to a multi-stall bathroom and let her go. But she didn't take her because the principal told her she could only go to single stalls. So she set her there to pee on herself. She said, I'm under strict orders that she can only use single stall bathrooms. Mm. I said, so she peed on herself. She had to sit there and pee on her. She had to make that choice to pee on herself. You know, I asked the principal, I said, well, why were the bathrooms locked? Oh, well, the the janitor didn't open them that day. She said they they forgot to unlock them. I said, you're lying. She said, what do you mean? I said, Emma peed on herself last week, Mm -hmm. and they were locked. My wife went up there a week later, and they're still locked. Mm -hmm. She told Amy that they were locked because the kids were messing the bathrooms up. I told the principal, I said, so if that's the case, I said, are you going to shut the whole cafeteria down because they made a mess of the floor? Mm -hmm. She could have went out the door and 10 feet away and used that bathroom. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I don't know what happened. I mean, they just had no no reasoning for it. So at any point during these conversations, was House Bill 2 brought up? Did they try to use that as, as any kind of validation? Was it like part of the conversation? At the very first meeting, they brought up House Bill 2. The very first meeting, she said, well, you know, HB 2, um, I don't remember her exact words, but I believe it was HB 2. Uh, we have to follow HB 2. And that states that she she can't use the bathroom of she has to use the boys' bathroom, and that's all we can offer. At this point, the Smith family knew this wasn't a battle that they could fight on their own, so they got in touch with Transmission, an advocacy group that supports non-binary, genderqueer, gender fluid, and trans people in Western North Carolina. I met with Allison Scott, the organization's advocacy director, and she talked about HB 142, the bill that was supposed to appease liberals and opponents of HB 2. But in reality, that second bill is just as devastating for Emma and kids like her. It's it's not gone. It's not gone here, you know, and it's not going to go away until we fix this on a national level. It has to be fixed. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting this pushback state by state, county by county, whatever it is, and they're going to relabel it. They're going to push it in every way they can. They're, it's it's insidious. It just it just it creeps in from all angles, whether it be bathroom bills, whether it be not passing employment discrimination, anti-discrimination policies. It just keeps coming in and keeps coming in, and that's the thing people have to be aware of. HB 2's got not gone. It's relabeled. You know, here you have a child who's caught up in the adult world, reaping the consequences of misunderstanding, ignorance of a topic, and sometimes, sometimes, uh, and you know, this isn't the case with everyone, sometimes also just not wanting trans people to exist, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way that they may not even... You know, it's not like they say, well, Emma's transgender and I don't want her in this space, but you have people who say, well, this this kid's confused, and so they're not going to use this bathroom. So then this child is caught up in all that and has to sit in a classroom while she urinates on herself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Emma, to me, is representative and the face of what trans kids have been going through before her and what trans kids are going through today and after her. And Emma's not the first child I've talked to in Asheville in Western North Carolina, and Amy and Kevin are not the first parents I've talked to in Western North Carolina, but they were some of the some of the first with a child this young to say, we want to fight this. In, in North Carolina, I don't know if you're aware of this, but basically you have 
the uh, North Carolina school board, and then you have local school boards that go out, and that's the kind of the chain of command and mm-hmm. the way rules and everything's are followed. Well, then the North Carolina school board is beholden to the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. So the General Assembly passed HB 142, which bans any school system from enacting a bathroom policy in North Carolina. That's public schools, that's any school system that answers to the public school system. Is that across the board or until 2020? That's uh, until 2020. Which is still not okay, but yeah. it's not okay. I mean, you know, when I say they banned it, it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's banned for a month or banned for three years. When when you're six years old and you're sitting there urinating on yourself, it's banned. (laughs) It's it's as good as permanent. It's Mm -hmm. as good as forever. The time doesn't matter. You can't tell a six-year-old, well, you're urinating on yourself today, but in three years it's going to be okay because we don't know what's going to happen in three years. You know, another age, they could just go back and make it even worse in three years. She has to use the boys' bathroom, and that's all we can offer. Okay. Yeah. So they were trying to lean on it. They were leaning on HB2, yes. Like I told the principal, I said, you know, she sat there and peed on herself, I mean, because you had the bathroom doors locked. Right. And they went back to, well, they, they, they didn't know. I said, that's your excuse for everything. They didn't know. She would come home and she would draw pictures like this because I would tell her, draw your feelings. And her therapist would tell her to draw her feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is her teacher, you know, telling her. And she just wanted to go to the girl's room. This is her sad. Just Emma drew the picture after the bathroom uh, incident and kids laughing at her. But you yeah. see that well, how she draws everything and what she how she feels. But yet you got yeah. people telling us that we are, we're doing this to her and pushing her to be a girl. You can't push a kid to draw their feelings like that. No, mm-hmm. Emma said always crying at her desk. Wow. And that's her crying at her desk. I'm sure that just killed you guys that, as parents. That was probably the worst time ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it that was hard, really, really hard to 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 do. We missed a lot of days, a lot of days. We didn't really pull her out all the way, but we finished the school year. She finished it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know how with her missing so many days, but yeah. she did. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. But she but missed so she, many days because being so upset. There's some mornings. I mean, yeah. you you just couldn't get her there. She just w- yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. days like she had with peeing on herself. Mm-hmm. You can't send her to school the next day like that. I mean, yeah. she just. She's upset. I mean, she's scared to even go anywhere. You know, and the principal was saying, "Well, we just to make sure she goes to the bathroom before she goes to the cafeteria." Mm-hmm. But you gonna let her sit there and eat and drink and make her sit there and wait? And there's it's a bathroom in there. It's- I told the principal that. Yeah. I said, "This is borderline child abuse." I said, "If I took my kid home, and she came in the next day and said, hey, my daddy made me sit in the room and pee on myself because I couldn't go to the bathroom,' don't yeah. you think they called DSS on oh. me?" But yeah, they can do it. It's okay. A lot of people think that we're. You know, we're we're going to hell, and we're right. and we're bad parents, and that we're forcing our daughter to be something she's not. When in yeah. fact, if we did the opposite, like if we forced her to be a boy, and you're that would be bad parenting. Yeah. To me, that would be abusive. And I have actually had quite a few um, like grown transgender women contact me and say, you know, I, I tried to commit suicide because my parents weren't, and they just felt compelled to say you're a great mom you're doing great i wish i had what emma had and you know i there's there's about six of them that i'm in contact with now that that are you know 
tried to commit suicide and and that was not accepted by their parents you know that their their mom refused or you know made them cut their hair or you know things like that to me it's sad i mean it's sad that a parent could do that i just can't think of anything my child would do that i would turn away from them and not support them i mean how do you do that to your child I mean, no matter what happens, you you know, it's a, your child. You're supposed to be there to support them and, and help them. We don't tell them who they are. They tell us who they are. We tell them to be good people. We teach them to be good people, not teach them who they are. Right. Like they told, know who they are. I mean, I've told people before. I mean, her being transgender doesn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. So even what I don't understand what the problem even is with it. You know, she her being transgender, it's just who she is. It doesn't make anybody else suffer. Just, I mean, leave her alone, let her be who she is. I mean, she's a great little kid. Hello? Hey, Amy, it's James Michael from HuffPost. How are you? Hey, James, I'm good. How are you? Good. Is now still a good time? Yeah, it is. I'm so glad we can chat again. I wanted to have a little conversation with you about Emma now that she's kind of gone back to uh, to school for the fall semester. How's she doing? Oh my gosh! I mean, so great. Like I can't even express my feelings about how different <laughs> things are this year. She is at a new school. Um, it, the the school is totally different. It's you know, not so conservative. They obviously have different values um, at this school. They accept her as she is. She's allowed to, you know, be herself. And just that one simple thing, that one simple thing has changed our whole family dynamic. I mean, everything. That's amazing. And they let her use the the girls' bathroom too, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is incredible. Incredible. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. That's just the one thing that she had such a hard time with last year. Um, And, you know, was the cause of of the majority of her pain all year. Has her demeanor changed? Kind of like, how is her day-to-day different? Oh my gosh. I mean, she's just a different child. Like she's, she's happy. She's actually socializing now. Um, Last year she wasn't socializing. It was just, you know, it, it was, what happened today? You know, every mm-hmm. every day was, well, what happened today? And, you know, what was our, like, our, our whole family just suffered because of it. You know, she was suffering. She was depressed. So we were depressed. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it was horrible. And uh, this year has just been outstanding. I mean, completely different. She's she's a different child. I mean, literally. If, it, so can I try to talk to her for one second? Sure. Hang on, just say I'll put you on speaker, okay? Okay, amazing. Emma. Oh, come here, Debbie. Say hello. He's on the phone. Hello. Hi, Emma. How are you? Good. How's your new school? Good. Yeah? Are you making friends? Yeah. What's your favorite thing about your new school? Um, to, like, um, play with the toys. Yeah? Are you happier there than your old school? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're doing so well. It's nice to hear your voice. I'll talk to you later, okay? I just wanted to tell you, too, that Emma was smiling like crazy when she was talking to you. She was smiling like crazy. If you could have (laughs) seen her face, you would see, like, she's just so phone shy. (laughs) I'm so glad that she's doing better. It's honestly an amazing story, and um, I'm so happy for you guys. Yeah, me too. It feels like a happy ending, at least 
to this to this point it is. I am so glad to hear that Emma is doing okay and has found a new school. Me too, but it's important to remember that this is just one story. I want to take us out with some words from Zeke Christopoulos, who is the founder of Transmission. He reminds us just how hard it is to be thrust into the center of a national controversy that you never asked for. Maybe the news story has slowed down, but being trans in America still means being met every single day with bigotry, hatred, and threats of violence. They are true. There was some uh, greater visibility for trans people. That's also a double-edged sword. There's right. a lot of trans people who've been living their lives who are very binary, who pass flawlessly and haven't had to talk about this. And maybe the one or two people in their lives who know about it are continually talking to you about it. You know, and if, if you're at a place in your life where you're just living your life and this isn't a central issue to you, which happens after you've been, you know, transitioning for a number of years, to have it thrown up in your face over and over and over again, it, it's more than rubbing salt in a wound. And I don't want to compare it to a wound because it's not a negative thing, but you don't want to walk along every day and have somebody talk to you about it. I think that anything coming good out of it is flawed reasoning because I think sure. it's so heinous. I think on the face of it, it's so evil mm-hmm. that talking about anything good of it takes away from the central tenets of how destructive and damaging HB2 was. So um, I know a lot of people had that conversation going on. Well, certainly something good must come out of it. And that's very much a silver lining mm-hmm. attitude and philosophy. I also think that's something that's centered in white middle class people. Right. You can, yeah, sure, there's something that could come out of it. I wasn't devastated because I didn't lose my job. I wasn't devastated because I'm already marginalized. I wasn't devastated because I have to survive doing sex work because nobody will hire me. Um, I'm at a higher rate of incarceration. You know, when you're in a place like that, there is no silver lining in day to day life, period. Yes unless there's resources. When HB2 gets passed, you're even more fucked. And I like to compare it to, let's say you have erectile dysfunction. Do you want every single conversation you have to be with somebody who says, so, how's your ED going? Have you tried that new pill? You know, did you get an erection last night? Uh, What do you think about this? Can you describe your penis to me? And that's basically what happens, you know, conversely. How's your menstrual flow? Is it heavy today? Like, what kind of pads do you use? (laughs) When are you going into menopause? You know, things of that nature. So it's taking something that's very personal and bringing it into a day-to-day conversation, which that can be difficult. I don't want people to pity us is uh, one of the key factors here. Um, Do we need services? Yeah, of course we do. Um, Everybody could use... Uh, resources and to be uplifted. Um, And if you're from outside of the state and you so choose to support the trans community, think about where you put your dollars. Certainly think about how you vote locally and nationally. Um, I think we're a cautionary tale. This could happen where you live. We're seeing what's happening in Texas right now. Right now it looks like it's going in a more positive direction. Um, But on a day-to-day level, it's about what you hear, what conversations you're engaged in, whether you speak up or not, and uh, what kind of social capital do you have? Who do you influence? Who can you talk to? Can you talk to your local legislators? Can you talk to your state legislators? Um, Can you talk to the person in the pew next to you? Can you talk to the person in the cubicle next to you? Um, Can you participate in your diversity and inclusion efforts at your workplace? Um, You know, it's just, again, the personal is political. And that's how I think uh, groups that are smaller in number who face injustice really can overcome that is to to have a lot of allies and have a lot of support. Um, You know, and whether people know it or not, most people um, 
no GLBT folks, period. You know, and when you see somebody as, as your neighbor, as your coworker, or as your cousin, as your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, um, I, I think the arguments become clear. I would say they become more compelling, but they, they just become common sense. I'm Still Here is a HuffPost podcast produced and edited by Nick Offenberg and Jessica Samacow. The story was reported by James Michael Nichols. Our field producer was Nick Offenberg. I'm Ziba Blay. If you'd like to learn more about the work of Transmission, visit transmission.org. That's transmission with a Z. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating and review, or send us an email. Tell us your story of survival. Still here at HuffPost.com. On the next episode of I'm Still Here. I think the media has a way of wanting to haphazardly display Black pain, Black rage, and they do it in a way that does not explore any of the context that lies behind it. You begin to really see that no one really cares about us. No one really cares about telling our story. No one really cares about humanizing us.